This is a beginning of a new series. I believe it's the first series I've done here, which is a little unusual. I've tried to give you one-off sermons to kind of keep you satiated and satisfied and fed. But now it's time for us to go into a little bit of a deeper study, and that means I could preach for two hours all in one time, or I could break it up. You want two hours? Ted does. Anybody else? All right. Nobody else. Okay. We'll break it up a little bit into different topics. Uh, Let's turn together in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I know we were in Acts 20, but now we're in Ephesians 4. Keep up. Acts 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry or service, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If we're looking for a blueprint as to what a well-functioning group of Christians working together as the body of Christ in a community, this is that passage. Here we have Paul talking about what is so special about the body of Christ, the church, when every single part works the way It is supposed to work in the mind of God. An important part of that is finding our place within the body. We all have different functions. We have different roles to play. We have different abilities, different gifts, and different places where we are to serve. When it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the church... What we'll be doing for the next couple of weeks is talking about the different roles or offices, if you will, within the church and to see how God wants each of those particular areas to work. Now, I'm going to be picking on the elders first and foremost, which is the most dangerous thing you can do as a hired preacher is pick on your elders. Talking about elders first, talking about deacons next, so you guys don't wait, we'll get to you. Talking about men, talking about women, and then talking about Christ as the head of the church. Now, you might think, well, where do I fit in within there? Well, just wait. We'll figure it out together, okay? Just bear with me. We'll talk about the roles of those offices. And believe it or not, there are actually qualifications for you to be a man in the body of Christ or to be a woman in the body of Christ, biblically from the book of Titus. And so we'll go there in due time, probably two weeks before we talk about you specifically, if you're not an elder or a deacon. But just bear with me. We'll see the structure. We'll see what the body of Christ looks like in the Bible and then see how it applies to our situation here 
and Thomaston Road. So to begin our conversation, let's talk about the role or the office of an elder. And the way that I want to do this is by going through the Greek words that are used for this office in Scripture. There they are. I was waiting for that slide. <laughs> now these words here, I'm going to have to assume that you've never seen these words before. Is that a fair assessment? Okay, most of you nod your head, I don't know what that language is. Well, that's Greek to you, after all, isn't it? <laughs> okay, when it comes to the Greek language, there are a plethora of words that you can learn if you so choose, and to see how they are used in that particular structure, and to see a, a, a bit more depth to what they are. That's the whole reason why I want to go all the way back here to the, to the Greek, is because each one of these words has a connotation to it. And in that connotation, in that meaning, it describes the role or office as, as of an elder in a particular kind of light. So the more that we can see with depth what this particular office or role is, the more self-explanatory it becomes as we go through the actual text. So let's begin with the first word that we come across in the New Testament when it comes to the idea of an elder, and it's uh, presbyteros. Presbyteros is the first particular word that we find. I really think there's a slide right after this one. There it is, presbyteros. Now, we go to the Old Testament, we don't find the Greek language there. We find it mostly in Hebrew or Aramaic. But when you look at the Septuagint, which is a very fancy long word that just means the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, we do find this word presbyteros used in certain passages. So let's turn to the book of Numbers chapter 11 together. And I want to show you how this word is used in Scripture to better explain what the role of that office is. So Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Now, we just read that in the English, and we go, what in the world? Why are we in the book of Numbers? Because in the Greek version, the word elder here in this particular passage is that Greek word presbyteros that we read about being an office of the New Testament church. So what is the connotation? What's the implication? What's the meaning of this particular Greek word and this particular usage? It literally means someone who is older. Now, I am sorry, elders. But if you're not an older person, you don't fit the role as being someone who is an elder, literally. So someone who is older inherently has certain things about them that may qualify them to be an elder in the church, right? If we go to the book of Acts chapter 11, let's turn there together. The very first time presbyteros in the Greek is used to describe the office of the eldership is in Acts chapter 11 in verse 30. Quite simply, it reads this way. And they did so, sending it to the elders 
by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, when Luke wrote the book of Acts, it would seem to be the case that the recipients already knew what the role of an elder was. And so he was simply just describing the eldership that was in charge of this relief effort from Paul and Barnabas to be called presbyteros, or the older people that were in charge. Simply a, a, a first reason to mention that. Now, if we go over to the book of Titus, chapter 1. Titus, chapter 1. This is a very important passage when it comes to the structure of the government, if you will, of the body of Christ, because Titus's mission was to do something specifically when it comes to church leadership. Now, Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, the things that they are without, and appoint elders, presbyteros, in every city as I commanded you. And so a church without a well-functioning group of older guys in the leadership position is not a well-functioning church. They are lacking something that is essential for their ideal operation as the body of Christ. Now, as we are transitioning from one Greek word to the next, I do want to take this time to go over what are the so-called qualifications of elders. I want to say that very clearly. When you look at the quote-unquote qualifications, let's keep that in the back of our mind that they may not be exact qualifications as we think of them as used in Scripture. And maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe this is old hat to you. But let's go over to the book of 1 Timothy together and talk about those qualifications. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, 1, let's just say for context. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, a different Greek word, we'll come back to it, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, which, uh, by the way, <laughs> is a verse of great contention, which is very easily explained, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able or apt to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, and with all dignity keeping his children submissive, because if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, Let's lose our place here and go over to the book of Titus. We'll find a similar list with some more nuance to it. Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Paul writes, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, 
and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination because an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Now, if we look at this particular passage in conjunction with the cross-reference of 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find a list of things that points to what an elder or an overseer is to be. Now, we love that word qualification. Are you qualified to be an elder? And what we often do in the church because of a, a lack of complete direction from Scripture is we make a list of all the things that an elder is to either be or not to be, right? Be a lover of people, be without reproach, don't be a drunk, which seems like a good qualification to me. If you're an alcoholic, you're probably not going to be a great leader of God's people. Just set one practical reason in there, right? And so when we have these qualifications as we see them, what we like to do, because it's natural, is to plug that person into those roles and to see if they meet the requirements or the qualifications to be an elder. And I guess, fair enough, that makes sense. We don't want to mishandle the Word of God. We want to use it correctly, right? The only issue I have personally with the idea of using that as a qualification list is if you keep reading in the book of Titus, you have qualifications you must meet as well to be a faithful Christian. I have qualifications that I need to meet to be a faithful man in the body of Christ. And so it's the exact same terminology, the exact same language, and we love to pick on our elders to make sure they're up to snuff by looking at their qualifications with a fine-tooth comb and magnifying lens when it comes to our own spiritual lives who are a bit more kind to us. And so we'll get there in a couple of weeks when we talk about what your qualifications are. And you can tell me if whether or not that word qualification is the exact right word that we should be using in Scripture or not. So, first and foremost, presbyteros. The idea of someone who is older and he is a man. That's one particular role of being an elder is to be an elder. Someone who's not maybe elderly but older is the implication. And there are certain qualifications, if that's the right word, that they must meet to be installed in that office to help shepherd the church of God. There is a second word used in Scripture, episkopos. You might see the word episcopalian somewhere in there. It's a little bit different, but it's the same root of the Greek word. Now, I love this one a whole lot because it's a little funny to me, but if you know me enough by now, my brain thinks some things are funny that most people don't think is funny. So just bear with me. I think this is hilarious, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> All right? This one denotes someone who is literally an overseer, someone who is seeing over a group 
of individuals is the idea. Now, this particular word is also used one other time in Scripture. And this one gives us the clearest picture as to what an overseer, what an elder is to be when they are described as an episkopos. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15. Now, Greek is interesting because what, it, what happens in that language is a lot like what happens in English. Now, many of you know I've got a five-year-old girl named Maddie, and she is a sweetheart. And I love her more than life itself. And she is learning to read in kindergarten. And it's very difficult for me to be able to teach someone how to read English when I've been reading English for a couple of years now. I've got some pretty good experience. It's my favorite subject in school. I know way more than I should. Uh, and so for me to kind of have to revert myself back to you don't know what a diphthong is, like I have to watch myself, okay? And so when you have a word that are two words that you combine to make one longer word, what is that called? Do you know? You all know too, compound word. Two different words that are when they're by themselves, they mean something. You put them together and it means something else. My favorite example is for her is everywhere, right? It's a compound word. You have the word every and you have the word where. And she knows every and she knows where. Put that thing together, she has no idea what that word is, right? So we're working on that. Greek has the exact same thing. You have a Greek word that means something and a Greek word that means something. And you put that word together, you get a much longer word in a language that you may not recognize in Greek, right? Now, that happens here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15. And it may not be where you think, so stick with me here in the context. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Now, when you look at that in the Greek language, and you can break down and parse all the Greek words, it's very important to know this very last clause, as a busybody in other people's matters, is just one compound word in the Greek. So we have to use a lot of English words to best describe what that word means. Now, if you look at it, back to our slide, please. Allo tre episkopos. That last part, episkopos, does that sound familiar? Well, hopefully it's because it's right before it as the title of the slide, right? So a small little grammar lesson for you there. That's busybody and other people's matters or affairs, right? In the Greek. So when you read that, it looks like allotrip episkopos. That's what it is. That last little part, though, is the key for us. Now, I think this is hilarious, but again, I told you, my brain works a little bit differently. One of the titles of an elder in that office is episkopos. It means an overseer. When used in certain contexts, it literally means a busy body in other people's matters. Can you see where I'm going? If we have an eldership and they are not all up in your business, they are not doing their job, God says. Now, I've met people who are elders of the Lord's church. 
and they don't even know who the flock is, unfortunately. If we have an eldership here, and they are not harassing you all up in your business, biblically, they're not being an episkopos. They're not being an overseer. If you see a literal shepherd watching sheep, you will see they are all up in the sheep's business. They're using their stick and yanking them by the neck to get them where they need to go. They're keeping them in line. Now, as people, we don't really like to be controlled or uh, all up in our business all the time, but that's the job. That's the role. If they love you and they are overseeing the flock that God has in this location, they are going to be in your life. They're going to be in your homes. They're going to be calling you all the time. That's one of the jobs. And so how to best describe the eldership of the church? We have presbyteros. He has to be someone who is older, who is mature, who has that wisdom. He has to be an episcopus, someone who's able to oversee and be all up in your business when it comes to your spiritual life. And then last, they have to be appointment. Now, appointment is a very specific term in the Greek. It describes our Lord first and foremost. But it also describes the role of an elder. Let's go over to Acts chapter 20 together. This is probably the best passage. If you only had to pick one context to learn what an eldership is all about, Acts chapter 20. Towards the end of this chapter, you have Paul the apostle traveling back to Jerusalem. And he's in Miletus. And he calls the elders of the Ephesian church to come down and to meet with him for one last kind of rousing encouragement. And in talking to the eldership in Ephesus, we know that they were a fairly strong church. There are a couple of issues, misunderstandings, inconsistencies in what they were, the way they were living. But overall, they were a strong church and Paul worked with them for many years. So in his charge to the elders that came down to Miletus, there's a nice little segue into what they were to do, what their job was. So in Acts chapter 20, let's pick up in verse 28. Paul says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, episcopos, right there, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So the symbolism of being a shepherd taking care of sheep comes from this concept. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to to draw away the disciples after them therefore knowing that be alert remembering that for three years i did not cease night or day to admonish or encourage everyone with tears and now i commend you to god and the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified 
Now, when we look at the particular passage, we find the word poimen in there, but not as a title, not as a noun, but as a verb. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The idea of being a pastor or being a shepherd is used scripturally in the role of an elder in a particular office. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, interestingly, if you are an elder of the church or you aspire to be one one day, which is a noble goal, by the way, then you are among good company. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Peter writes this, So I exhort or encourage the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And so if you desire to be an elder or you are an elder, guess what? The good company you share is the Apostle Peter. Sure, he spoke up a lot and put his foot in his own mouth more often than not, but as he grew and as he matured through wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he was one of the pillars of the first century church. And he is an elder over that flock. Verse 2. Here is this Greek word again, poimen, used as a verb. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, episkopos, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Why is that so important? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. If you desire the office of a bishop or an elder, you desire a good thing. The Lord's church needs shepherds to help guide us, protect us, and lead us into the right way of following God's will. That's how God designed his church to function in an optimal way. Can we get by without elders if we have men who are not qualified for that position? We can. Is it ideal? By no means. The Lord knows that we are a group of people who are like sheep. And if you know what sheep are like, you'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> he knows that we are like sheep. And we need people to help watch out for us, protect us, and be busybodies in our lives to make sure our spiritual lives are up to snuff, if you will. To keep us moving in the right direction all together. And the Lord is that chief shepherd. Now, if you're not an elder, and you can't be an elder, and you don't want to be an elder, where do you stand in light of this sermon? Well, you're not really in it until verse 5 of our context here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are not old yet, that's <laughs> how you might render that, be subject to the elders. 
these men have filled those positions, have taken upon the responsibility of being elders to help guide you in your spiritual life. What do you owe them in return? Be subject to their leadership. Allow the shepherds to shepherd. Allow them to help you, to assist you, to guide you in the right direction so we can all make it to heaven together. That's the goal. Keep reading in verse 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Where do you fit in in this congregation of the Lord's body? Well, some people here fit into the role of being a shepherd over our souls to help us, to guide us, to lead us by fulfilling the role or the office of being an elder of the Lord's body here in this location. What are they? Well, they are people who are older. They have the wisdom experience behind them. There are people who are overseers, who oversee our lives and they stay in our business no matter how much we want them to, they will be in our lives. And they are poor men. They are shepherds under the great one shepherd, Jesus the Christ. If anyone has a need to respond to the invitation this morning, the opportunity is yours to look within and see Do you know that you are cared for? Do you know that we have men here who are qualified to stand in your corner and help guide you in the word of God to live your best spiritual life? If you're someone who has not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can do that this very morning. If you're someone who is a part of the flock here already, but you have been wandering away from the great shepherd, now is a chance for you to come right back into the fold. We can support you. We can lift you up in prayer. We can walk with you on this path of life. If anyone has a need, please respond by coming forward as we stand and we sing.